This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather. We are an indie music-focused show, rife with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Our fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And I am a recording artist and radio host, Professor P. Soup, though some people call me Maurice. I'm at a loss as to why they might do that, although I do frequently speak of the pompatus of love, and that could just be a natural consequence of that. That'll do it. And you? Come on, Pumpkin, tell us who you are. (laughs) I am Christina Baldwin, songstress for the dark alt-rock band Ascent. I awaken from sweet dreams close to the edge of the gates of delirium in the heart of the sunrise. I've seen all good people and heard their wondrous stories and felt such sweetness. I get up. I get down. Lift me up soon. I will hold on to this endless dream. Nice. Did I like that introduction? Yes, I did. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect that, and I really enjoyed that. All right, let's get this uh, shoots and ladders, kitten. Let's get this off the ground here. All right, well, that takes us to Bird Banter Part 1. Yes, this is a two-parter. I know, it's getting crazy up in here. So Ascent just released a new song and video. The song is Untethered, and it's a video for that song as well. What is Untethered about? Well, it's about the discovery of flight and the desire to lift off. The possibility that people in ancient times had figured out how to do it and that we may have lost it in time. And stories like the flight of Icarus may have some truth in them. The protagonist is a rebel and sometimes desperate for release from their current situation. Flight is an escape, a revelation, and an evolution. So that's a little bit about the song. Now let me tell you about the video shoot. So it was shot by Alex Kalise of Bat Farm fame, and she's also a solo artist in her own right, and a very, very dear friend. I could not love her more. And she's begun to explore her gifts as a photographer and videographer. So she's also responsible for our recent promotional photos. So if you like those and you like our video then you should hit up Alex for some video and some photos. Bruce and the Drone Master drove out to Anaheim Hills to shoot the drone footage. It was shot in just under two hours, and the results are stunning. So we hope you'll go to Ascent.rocks or go to our YouTube page or go to uh, see us on Facebook at Ascent Rocks so that you can take a look at Untethered. We hope you like what you see and hear. It is quite striking. Well, Alex certainly has mad skills and uh, mad props to the Drone Master, too. It is very striking to see, and you got to watch a lot of Ascent's videos. They do things with uh, with miniatures and, and, and stop-time footage and, and, st- and just everything. I mean, Steve, who needs Steven Spielberg? All you need is Bruce <laughs> and a couple of little toy soldiers, and you've got something riveting. So, uh, yeah, you do have to check out uh, Untethered and a whole bunch of Ascent videos. Thank you. This is Bird Banter Part 2. That is the happiest songs of all time. Yay. Yay for happy. I knew this would make you, well, happy. Uh, so, it does. I mean, it, yeah. right? I didn't do most depressing. I didn't happiest. So, hey. And I know you, that that's a major concession to me. <laughs> <You're> part, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yes, that's an inside joke. It we're, is. we're recording before, and then we're going, and this and this and this. Fuck. 
Fuck yeah. you. But it was not uh, some demonic <laughs> possession or Tourette's. It did sound it like was, it. Suddenly, the program froze up, and it said it was just nothing was happening. The nothing. timer stopped moving, and of course, my initial reaction was, fuck you. Okay. Said in that creepy ass voice, which you know, you know, I'll say I I was taken aback, but I'm cool. I saw you eye in the door. I did. I, did. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> then I was like, I, I hear the fuck you, and I'm like, what the fuck? I gotta get out of here. Oh, get out. Get out. Like, oh, shit. All of a sudden, it was like fucking Amityville. Up You're kind of freaking my shit <laughs> out right now. <laughs> Coming to you live from downtown Amityville. <laughs> oh shit! Now next we're gonna be like. <laughs> All right. These are in no particular order. And again, you know, I've consulted multiple resources for this, probably at least 10. So don't stop me now, Queen. I, I'm kicking myself for not thinking of that. Go ahead. Great. Yeah. Dancing Queen, Ava. Come on. Wow. Uh, Walking on Sunshine, oh, Katrina and the well, Waves. I'm sure that's on both of our lists. Yeah. <laughs> Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cindy Lauper. That one doesn't do anything for me, to be honest with you. Uh, Happy by Pharrell. Oh, I love that song. So far, they've gotten two that were on my list. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Celebration, Cool in the Gang. Oh. I do. That song, totally. It's a celebration. Oh, yeah. so you've got that whole baritone thing. I don't have anything to do with that, but I love it. I'm a believer, the monkeys. Oh, good one. Happy together, the turtles. Oh, oh wow. Another on. one. Mbop, oh, Hanson. That's three for me. <laughs> Don't Stop Believing, Journey. Missed that one here. September, Earth, ah. Wind, and Fire. You're not, you don't mean the song that mentions the very day that we met, do you? No, no, I don't not know what you're one, talking no. about. Not that one. And then finally, the last one on the list, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, very it, good. It took three from me. Okay, who goes first? Well, you're going to go first, and we're going to now tell you, as we typically do, what our favorites are. So... Tell us what some of yours or all of yours are. I mean, I this definitely is not an exhaustive list for me. I had to narrow it down. I have so many, but let's hear from you first. You know, well, I was going to say, uh, and when it comes to because ha- I didn't know what the list was, of course. She just read that. Right. Uh, and they hit three of mine. I like to keep you in the dark if I can oh, a little bit. That, that's the dynamic of the show right here. <laughs> so uh, I was going to say, well, of course, when we talk about happy songs, there's a 600-pound gorilla in the room, and it's Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, of course, that's it. Katrina and the Waves, I mean, that is the song where, you know, if somebody's uh, standing on a bridge overpass and somebody drives by with a window down in a car, a uh, song playing on the car radio, that's what you want it to be. It is pure sunshine. And not not any, not something we might be discussing later on. Okay, uh, but <laughs> walking on sunshine. Happy Pharrell. I mean, Mister Mister Funny Hat definitely has a really a really catchy jam here. I love that song. I do trip a little bit at the line about a room without a roof, and it's just like rooms don't have roofs; they have ceilings. But you know, it's like okay, it, it does rhyme sort of with truth. So it was necess- yes. It was a necessary evil, and I don't like a lot of modern. And I'm doing Dr. Evil air quotes here. Music. I mean, you know. I do see that. Yeah, I don't like a lot of that, but I do like that one. And another one of mine, actually, is also called Simply Happy. And that would be the Rolling Stones from mm. Exile on Main Street. Uh, this is a Keith Richards solo number, really. He sings it. He plays all the instruments except the horns and the drums. It's just a joyous song. Da-na-na-na. With the horns. I mean, it's fantastic. Oh, I think Mick does back up on it. It's just an upbeat, feel-good song, and I do love it. Bob Hansen, of course, was on there, too. And one that came to mind rather late in the evening one night I was thinking about this was oddly enough by the Grateful Dead A Touch of Grey the lyric is an incredible story of unflappable optimism in the face of all kinds of comical catastrophes the video is 
really amusing too, where there's a bunch of skeletons are playing the instruments and stuff like that. It's really, it's a great one, so I would, I would say that too. A deep cut here from Led Zeppelin, Branya R. Stomp from Led Zeppelin 3. A beautiful, bouncy acoustic number, which they used to do live in the acoustic set. And it's about the most beautiful thing of all, the greatest love of all, doggy love. Yes, oh, it is yes. just a sweet and lovely song, and it just, uh, it, you know, you can't, you can't fault it. And uh, another one that, to me, is one of the most positive and optimistic songs and might just give that uh, devil music rock and roll a good name, Mr. Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good, the uh, first rock star origin song about a, uh, you know, a simple fellow, simple rustic fellow who's not exactly a scholar. His uh, loving, supportive mother, you know, she doesn't bust his balls with a bunch of, why can't you be like your brother Oliver Wendell Good? No. Uh, a lawyer. He's a lawyer, and you're some kid playing the guitar <laughs> uh, for the for the amusement of drivers passing by. No, no. <laughs> she encourages him into uh, pursuing his natural abilities, and I think that's really sweet. And they sent this one out. Into space, I guess. Yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, I that. It's, it's been covered or performed by like everybody in the world: uh, Jimi Hendrix, Elvis Presley, the Beach Boys, Johnny Winter, uh, Sammy Hagar, one of your faves, mm-hmm. even mentions it in his song "Turn Up the Music" when he sings. Yeah, I gotta hear an oldie like Johnny Be Good gets me in the mood like I knew it would because it's just that uh, outstanding of a song. So that would have to be there too, and there are probably many, but they did take three from me, so that's good because it'll save some airtime for my uh, <laughs> prattling. Uh, what about you? I don't know if this will shock you or if some of them will come as a surprise. I may have to explain a couple of them, but I dug deep and really went for the ones that make me happy. And none of the ones that were on my list made the list of all time. Where the Streets Have No Name by U2, Beautiful Day by U2, Red Rain by Peter Gabriel, In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Ah, nice. <laughs> I like that's the only one you like so far. Sweet Dreams by Yes, and that came up on my other list of driving songs too. Homeworld by Yes, which is on their Much Maligned Ladders album. I love that album so much, but Homeworld is a very happy song. Soul Sloshing by a band called Venus Hum. They're an electro-pop kind of band, and actually we discovered them when we went to go see Blue Man Group. They opened for them years and years ago. Wow, you saw Blue Man Group. Awesome. Oh, we've seen Blue Man Group like seven times. We're super huge fans. I wanted Bruce to be a Blue Man, but he's not tall enough. So it made me sad because Bruce is percussion. Oh, he is Mr. Percussion. So it makes me sad that they have a height requirement. Do you you gotta be bald too? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, Bald so and 5'8". He's 5'7". He's what, what? What? Are they that particular? Yeah, they it? want you to be the same height because uh, they all, you know, it's wow. it's, a, it's a, so that's sad because he was going to try out for it. This was years ago. Uh, over an inch, they lost. They lost this this, this master master musician. Anybody can become bald. Okay, I get Thank that. Thank you. You're you know, sure. But to play percussion and to be about that height, give me Come a on. break. Huh? Give me a break. And then the last one is not going to shock you. By the way, if you have not heard Venus Hum. Go listen to their album, Big Beautiful Sky. It is complete joy and so beautiful. The vocals are great. The music is great. And they just came up with a new album two days ago, and it's really good, too. So anyway. I never even heard that Yes song, believe it or not. So, I mean, maybe yours is no disgrace, but mine is you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. So the last one is not a happy song. But for some reason, the entire song makes me happy. I think it's because it was at a certain time in my life that I heard this song. 
and it affected me in a positive way. And while it's not positive lyrics, I just absolutely adore How Soon Is Now by The Smiths. And whenever it comes on, I get really happy. The Smiths have a... I was going to say, The Smiths did a song, that, a happy song. It's that, not happy. Yeah, I was going to say. It's just... There's nothing happy about that song. It's just... Uh, it reminds me... thing in you makes it a happy song. <laughs> it just makes me... It's a feel-good song. It's one of those songs where you hear it at the right time in your life, and then it has a positive feeling for you because you heard it at a positive time in your life. And it had an impact on me because I loved the whole sound, and I loved it. Kind of, it's a, it kind of brings everything the Smiths does to me to a head. It's like all of their stuff together. Their, their snark, their super like you know darkness, their angstiness, and then they're just just brilliant musicians. And it all comes together in How Soon Is Now, and I just love the song, and it makes me happy because it reminds me of, of a very positive time. So. Um, honorable mention for me is again another one that is not a happy song, but I love it. Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. So that one also, for whatever reason, brings me such joy. Again, that time in my life that I heard it, it reminds me of a nice time. So I guess my list is not um, the normal list, but those are the songs that make me really happy. Gee, well, I guess I'll throw Nothing Compares to You on mine then. Do it. <laughs> no, Al, no, it Do doesn't it. make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I did forget one, though. And, I mean, talk about unlikely. Okay, Smith's on a, on a list like that you don't expect. Well, one, probably the most obvious and first to jump into everybody's minds about uh, happy the writers of Happy Songs is one that I forgot to mention because of my spidery escape mental patient notes here. <laughs> uh, it's by Black Sabbath, believe it or not. Black Sabbath has a song on their masterpiece fifth album, Sabbath Buddy Sabbath, called Sabra Cadabra, and it is just a happy, happy song. It's a deep cut, of course, but not nearly as deep as you got to dig eight feet to find some of Christina's, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep cut for sure. But it's upbeat, and it's optimistic, and the music just rocks hard, but... It's a, a song with no downside to it. It begins with the words, feel so good, I feel so fine, and you're kind of expecting, like, you know, and Satan comes and fucks everything up. You know, <laughs> right, that's what, that, what that, I, I would nips expect. that shit right in the butt. No, it's just a love song. It's a guy who's in a relationship, and he's really happy with this girl, and they love each other, and everything's wonderful. They've got a, more beauty and, uh, and optimism in their music than a lot of people would expect. It's kind of like the musical Edgar Allan Poe, I mean, who would write comedy, and he would write, you know, even terrifying stories with gr- happy endings. Well, Black Sabbath is uh, much misunderstood in that way, too. And this one features Mr. Rick Wakeman on keyboards. Yes. So, yeah, Sabracadabra, that was the one I forgot to mention again. Anyway, yeah, good list, uh, yeah, Christina. Different, though. I mean, unexpected, yeah, but yeah. hey, you know, what makes one person happy may not make another person happy, and I got some weird ones, but I, I went ahead and dug deep, and I was very honest. I could have said it was these other ones, but those are the songs that make this girl happy, so. Yeah, those those songs, you know, they, they need to exist. I mean, drug dealers may need to make a living, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, doctors um, prescribing antidepressants. I mean, you know, they gotta they gotta make a living too. So, so here I am pouring <laughs> my little heart out, and my BFF is seizing my, this opportunity. My radio partner <laughs> is, as always, completely and totally fucking with me and giving me shit. I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, they would tune out. You know, they would. They'd be like, they "Fuck, like, yeah, okay, you let her get away what's with that shit." Heart, what's this uh, <laughs> hearts and flowers shit? You know, <laughs> no, we don't want to disappoint anyone. So now you need to restate the theme and top 10 details of this week. 
This episode is called Flockdown, and it's songs that were written during or about this dreadful uh, season of closures in 2020, which has sucked up uh, more than half of the year, or, failing that, any songs about feeling trapped, wanting to escape, wanting to get out, and you're going to see many uh, great tunes. I'm not sure where some of them came from or when, but they uh, all do fit, and... uh, so, by hook or by crook, we, by which I mean Christina, found <laughs> ten songs which uh, fit the bill, and uh, we're going to watch them hatch right here in the Bove Nest, so stay tuned. And you're going to get us started with number ten. All right, as Wesley says in The Princess Bride, as you wish. This next song is by... I'm sorry, band. he says it with an accent, though. Can you try that again? An accent? It's a fake accent, though. No, it's not. Oh, is it? Really? Carrie Elways? No. Oh, yeah. Wow, you got me on that one. Yeah. I, I, and I only watched it last year, too. Oh, my God. Uh, rodents of unusual size, man. I mean, yeah. R-O-U-S-S? I don't think they exist. People, you know, I know we're always talking about movies here because it's 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 We're into movies. We're into movies. We're into movies. And this is one This is one for the ages. Neither of us had to turn the other one on to. This is one that everybody knows. And if you don't, well, then you're a kid. It's excusable, but you got to watch it. you got to watch it. Song number 10 by a band called Next to Eternity. It's a hard rock band from Chicago. It had me right away from the brooding percussive introduction. You really don't know where they're going. Well, where are they going? Metal world, that's where. They start to growl and pummel you with this anguished lament of a song, but then they take it down again. And then back up again, and you, the human yo-yo... Uh, will share their sense of being boxed in and claustrophobic and certainly try to batter down the walls with them as they infuse this tension into you. And there are tempo changes aplenty, so join them in feeling trapped.
All right, Trapped by Next to Eternity. And you can find them on Facebook at Next to Eternity Official. Feature number one, One Hit Warblers. And for this feature, we discuss a one-hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world or uh, any other worlds there might be. And this one, you should know, because this one never, ever dies. From 1980, the song Funky Town by Lips Inc. Very clever wordplay there, I gotta say. That's Lips with two Ps, Inc. as an Incorporated. Don't you just love it? Hopefully you know this one already. I do. But, uh, I mean, really. From the album Mouth to Mouth. Also it's clever. A, oh, very clever. Lips, Inc., Mouth to Mouth. Uh-huh. Come on, uh-huh. It's a pop disco synthesizer, Euro disco, written by band member Steve Greenberg. And it has aptly been described as an all-explosive, absurdist sugar rush of joy. A vertiginous pile up of explosive hooks. It is an absolutely amazing, and we heard a brilliant mashup of this before. We'll tell you about probably <laughs> later on, but um, just too inspired. But uh, Steve Greenberg wasn't happy in Minneapolis. Mm. He wanted out. He wanted. He felt trapped. Here we go. We're already. Here we go. Here we already. Go. There's our theme. He was flocked down. He felt. <laughs> He and sure we, was. I don't know if this was intentional or not, because it's not a trapped song. It's a one-hit song. It was a but, little intentional. Yeah. Wow, you're very clever. <laughs> he wanted out, saying the scene was bland in a very vanilla market. He wanted to make a move to a town that was right for him. See, already... A town that would keep him moving and grooving with some energy. It's a damn song. Damn song. That's the lyric. That's the lyric, yeah. He was a part-time record producer and uh, party and wedding DJ. Uh, Minneapolis, though, would eventually become known as, quite possibly, the funkiest town on Earth, which uh, which was wh- exactly what he was looking for. Thanks to Prince, speaking of Prince and Lips, Inc., uh, Cynthia Johnson, who's one of the members of Lips, Inc., had a band called Flight Time, uh-oh, uh-oh. that boasts Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis as band members. What? And uh, you can almost see it coming. She would eventually recruit a new singer named Morris Day, what? and they would change their name to... The, the time. time they fell into Prince's orbit and appeared as the villains in Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Rain. We've discussed this cheeseball film on other shows. Yes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I just want to give you all a solemn warning. Even after watching this movie, don't you ever say an unkind word about the time. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were the quote unquote villains in the, the movie. They were the villains, but I mean, you know, come on, uh, Jungle Love. Come on. Guy, uh, so lip sync with this big hit, Funky Town. Which I mean, we're talking 1980. This is. 30, did I say 30? 40, sorry. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Math, you know. Where's your calculator? Math is, you know, (laughs) math is not for everybody. (laughs) Uh, 40 years later, this is one even you kids will like because it's got some auto-tune vocals and some synths. uh, So, and some plastic beats uh, and a lot of other good shit that you're not used to. Uh, It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks. That's quite an accomplishment right there. Number one on the disco chart. Number two on the soul chart. Number one in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Canada, Europe, France, Israel, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Spain, and West Germany. Not often what? do you see a worldwide number one hit like that. I mean, we're talking Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go territory. Right, Michael you Jackson know? territory. Yeah, exactly. You know? We're talking Michael Jackson territory from a band that a lot of people don't even know the name, even if they know the song. They don't. They you don't know, know who did it. They don't know it. who That's did right. it. It's like, I know that song. Eight million sales worldwide, which is huge. It was quite something in quite 1980. Something. It was. And it was covered in uh, 1986 by a group called Pseudo Echo, and in 2007 by 
Dale Bozio, lead vocalist of Missing Persons, who Christina and I actually saw at the Whiskey A Go-Go what seems like a fucking eternity ago. <laughs> it does. But honestly, this is a one-hit warbler that uh, really deserved to have more hits, and you gotta wonder, and I admit I don't know, what other little gems there are lurking on uh, their albums or album, uh, because this is the one that stuck. I have to talk about this song for a second, David, if you'll allow me talk to. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Okay, go ahead. So I can. Okay, thank you. It was quite an introduction. This is one of the 45s I had, and I was telling you that I had a little, <laughs> a little turntable that was in a little suitcase that I would carry around, and I would go into my mom's room when my mom wasn't there, my mom was doing something else, and on her dresser it would go, I'd plug it in, and in front of the big, gigantic mirror, you know how, how old dressers had the huge mirrors, The right? kind that, if it falls on you, you're dead. You're dead, yeah. for sure. <laughs> it had the huge mirror, and I would play Lips Inc. over and over and over again, because it only played 45s, really. It couldn't do the whole record, so all I had was 45s. I love this song. I've always loved this song since the first time I heard it. It absolutely makes me happy. It should have been on my happy list. It makes me so happy. It makes me want to dance. It makes me think of roller skating. <laughs> I used to go roller skating because they would play this song too. It's disco. It's synth. It's pop. It's it's clever. It's fun. It's simple, but it's hypnotic. And I just cannot say enough about how much I love this song and was excited that I could include it as one of our features. And I love that you love this song, too. We do not always see eye to eye on all these things. No, this is a song that nobody is quite a contrarian enough to dislike. Now, I have to ask you, does Bruce like this song? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because sometimes sometimes he surprises me. But you know, usually... I mean, he's, he's not like, oh my God, I love it. He's like, it's a good song. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's a great. It's that, a great that, that was a good impression of him too. It's it's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> you didn't get to see, unfortunately, folks. Yeah, we are like it's a great song. He's like, yeah, it's a good. It's good. Some people curb their enthusiasm a little yes. bit more than we do. <laughs> we don't. We're geeks who just gush like us, uh, we're the yeah. kind who end up on the radio. That's <laughs> right. We've got too much to gush about. We've got too much to gush about. We're too easily easy to please. We are. We're, easy to please, made happy easily. It's it's very nice. It, it's a good way to be. Well, yeah, I think it's, a good way it's to very be. nice. We are of that disposition. We are of that disposition. Stop laughing. <laughs> Hey, fuck you. <laughs> Speak, I'm going to leave that in. Uh, speaking of the intro, not the intro, speaking of the... What the fuck are you... Speaking you of the 80s. Me, you told me to stop laughing. And <laughs> I didn't laugh. I said intro instead of 80s. That's different. <laughs> Song number nine by the band Antidote for Savages. And that's what we need. I mean, that's if there's an need. antidote for those, those bastards, that's what we need right now. Hook us up. And um, uh, they're an electronic band from Scottsdale, Arizona. And i got to say, the 80s came to mind because it has a classic 80s synthesizer sound. And that gives it just the right touch of mystery for its title, Twilight Zone-demic.
And you can hear Antidote for Savages at Reverb Nation at Antidote for Savages. Song number eight is by Ian Scattersoul. The song is Disease. Ian is from Crossville, Tennessee. He is electropop and indie rock. The vocals are earnest and longing. The harmony set the stage for an introspective, folky alt-rock and R.E.M.-style storyline. The message is sealed by a surprisingly dark and low guitar riff. There are overlapping vocals that imply chaos in realizing that the object of his affection is what actually ails him.
And you can find Ian on Facebook at Ian E-O-N Scattersoul Sounds. And that's S-C-A-T-T-E-R Soul Sounds. And it's Ian, not like I-A-N, like every British musician in the world who isn't named Mick is named Ian. Yeah, it's it's like not Ian's. that, it's Eon, as yeah. in like the last show seemed to last for eons. You know, this is like that. <laughs> you did not just say that. <laughs> you got to tune into uh, Winging It. See, I said it right this time. That's you got to right. tune into Winging to find out what that. Uh, and, and, and honestly, I would give the new episode, uh, next week's episode of Winging It, uh, four stars. Yeah, I would too. Four out of four or four, four out, out of, of like a hundred? Four out of a hundred. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. I would, I would love to take credit for that joke. I would love to have written that joke, but that was actually from uh, uh, Andy Breckman. Yeah, all right. It was all right. It was a four out of five at least. No, okay. no, four, four out of four. Come on, four is a, oh well. You you like even numbers. Four out of four. You're yeah, right. Yeah, four out of four. And that takes us to feature number two: cause to coo genres in curlew. I guarantee you, there is a bird called curlew. Yeah, you totally stumped me on the curlew thing, and uh, I think you were wise to not try to get me to say this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me explain the feature, and it might all become very clear. So, for this feature, we focus on a genre of music. So genres in curlew is genres in review. So we are reviewing some genres, and this time it is grunge. The time frame is mid-1980s is really when it originated. And the place of origin was Seattle, Washington. Stylistic origins, punk, metal, alt-rock, garage rock, and thrash. And it was commercially successful early to mid-1990s. Now, there were pivotal albums and bands during this time. So I'm going in order of when they were released. So August 27th, 1991, Pearl Jam's 10 was released. 10 contains 11 tracks dealing with dark subjects like depression, suicide, loneliness, and murder. 10's musical style and expansive harmonic vocabulary with an anthemic sound. Now it reached number two on the Billboard charts and the notable tracks are Alive, Jeremy, and Evenflow. So Pearl Jam was trying to bring about awareness. I have not liked anything Pearl Jam did since 10, but 10 is forever going to be part of my musical lexicon. It's going to be part of my life. That takes us to Nirvana. Never mind. September 24th, 1991 is the release date for Nevermind. Kurt Cobain wrote a number of songs influenced by bands such as The Melvins, R.E.M., The Smithereens, and The Pixies. He fashioned chord sequences using power chords and combined pop hooks with dissonant guitar riffs. According to Cobain, he aimed for the album to sound like The Knack and the Bay City Rollers getting molested by Black Flag and Black Sabbath. And I think he absolutely succeeded. It reached number one on the U.S. Billboard 200, selling 300,000 copies a week. Notable tracks are Smells Like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are, Lithium, and In Bloom. Talking about stuff that was going on in the scene at that time, depression, suicide, loneliness. We know that Pearl Jam's 10 was actually talking about a lot of what was going on in the scene because we know that Kurt Cobain committed suicide. And it's a very dark time, and we're going to see that that's a trend as we continue to go through some of the quintessential albums of this particular genre. So that takes us to Soundgarden, Bad Motor Finger. So Bad Motor Finger has been classified by various critics as grunge, alternative metal, heavy metal, and hard rock. So Soundgarden utilized alternative tunings and odd time signatures on several of the album songs, which I absolutely love. That was one of the things that really drew me to their music. Of course, 
that aside from the most amazing vocalist I think that has ever lived, male vocalist, Chris Cornell. Cornell said that he was, he tried not to get too specific with his lyrics and was more interested in letting ambiguity create colorful images. And Thayil suggested that it's like reading a novel about man's conflict with himself and society or the government or his family or the economy or anything. And obviously Thayil is part of the band. It reached number 39 on the Billboard 200, which is very disappointing when you consider what a legend Chris Cornell is and how legendary Soundgarden is. Notable tracks, Jesus Christ Pose, Outshined, and Rusty Cage. Now, sadly, as we know, we also lost Chris Cornell. So then, Alice in Chains. August 1st, 1990, Alice in Chains' Dirt was released. Guitarist Jerry Cantrell stated the album was intended to have a moody aura that was a direct result of the brooding atmosphere and feel of Seattle. This reached number 42 on the Billboard 200. Notable tracks are We Die Young, Man in the Box, Sea of Sorrow, Lead the Freak, And unfortunately, I have to share again that Lane Staley died of a drug overdose as well. So that's the third of the top five that we have lost. Now we go to Stone Temple Pilots' Core. That was released September 29th, 1992. Explaining his lyrical style on Core, Wheeland was quoted as saying, I feel very strongly that all individuals, regardless of age, race, creed, or sexual preference, should have the freedom to exercise their rights as human beings to enjoy life, pursue what they want, and feel comfortable about who they are. I guess I tend to find the darker sides of life more attractive than the yellows and oranges. I know it's something that I relate to when I listen to music. So Core reached number 93 on the Billboard 200. Notable tracks are Sex Type Thing, Plush, and Creep. And I am sad to report again that we lost Scott Whelan to a drug overdose. So that's a little bit about grunge, which was a huge and continues to be a huge influence on me and music that I continue to listen to to this day. Stone Temple Pilots was huge for me. All of these were huge for me. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, of course. Nirvana, I will say, was not as big an influence on me. It was interesting, but it's more of a blip than, say, the the other four. But it was huge, obviously, and continues to be... It's taken on a life of its own, Nirvana. So they're more of a brand. I've said this before. They're more of a brand than a band anymore. But, you know, um, anyway, very sad that we've lost so many of them. But I'm so grateful we have their music to last us a lifetime. David, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, oddly enough, you would think an old guy who never stops spurging about the 70s would have no connection to this whatsoever. But I've actually owned, of these five you mentioned, these five, I've actually owned two of them. Mm-hmm. Nirvana's Nevermind and Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger, two outstanding albums. And I don't get the connect. First of all, it's it's very obvious to me how grunge has influenced you. I mean, you did show up uh, to both studios here tonight wearing uh, what appears to be a flannel shirt and drinking gourmet coffee. So obviously, <laughs> grunge has had a lasting influence on you. I thank you for being a, an optimistic person, even being subjected to this kind of uh, depressing shit. But um, I, I don't get the... Uh, see, these are two great bands, and I absolutely hate the other three for some reason. So I don't... It doesn't... It didn't register with me, uh, the others. By the way, there's a, a very fun film that we've talked about on an earlier episode that Christina turned me on to about this scene and this time and featuring not only the music of some of these artists, but appearances by these artists in person. 
Uh, some who are no longer with us, sadly. As she said, we lost four out of five of them. But uh, And the movie is called Singles, and that's a, it's a good one that I really appreciate uh, being exposed to. Yeah, when you were talking about Alice in Chains, I was reading the notes here, and it said uh, Jerry Cantrell was intended the album to have a, I thought it said moldy aura, and I was going to say that's actually kind of what it has for me. I, I, I don't get this band, I don't get any of them vocally speaking, but Nirvana, yes, and uh, Soundgarden, absolutely. It's interesting to note that no less of a personage than Johnny Cash himself did a very fascinating cover of a Soundgarden song that would be Rusty Cage. It's uh, pretty much all acoustic, and uh, it just, with his, that incredible, I wouldn't even call it a baritone voice, I don't know anything about music, so I couldn't (laughs) say, but it's really, really striking. Uh, I think he even covered a song by another band we might be discussing later. We might. We might. All in all, I'm not a grungy person, but I can see the the greatness in these two bands. I, I never got the other ones quite but uh, you know so in that way uh, and I guess considering two out of five considering uh, that I'm stuck in the 70s uh, 70s is like a tar pit and I'm the dinosaur that's stuck in it (laughs) but I did uh, listen some of the music wafted over to me and I did enjoy Nirvana very much and Soundgarden I do appreciate some of this music, and I'm open to anything, but I, I've just never gotten the Pearl Jam thing or the Alice in Chains or the Stone Temple Pilots. Um, so I guess that you're not liking Stone Temple Pilots, but I, I would like to revisit the other two with you. Really? Yes. Here's the thing. So you're willing to throw Stone Temple Pilots under the bus, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but you actually have misgivings about... Nirvana is probably my favorite. Well, I wouldn't say it was my favorite of the bunch, but they're right up there with Soundgarden to me. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's overplayed. It's overrated kind of stuff for me. I, I I get it. I like them. Don't get me wrong. I don't have any issues with them. To me, they're more of a blip than the Seattle sound. I feel like they have something a little different than this Seattle sound. Uh, so yeah, they didn't do for me what I wanted them to do. But I don't hate them as the way you describe the other three bands. I don't have a hate for Nirvana. <laughs> I actually really appreciate Nirvana, and I I get it, and I rock out to Nirvana. They're just of all these bands, I'm like mm, okay. Yeah, the other three are okay. The other, see, the other three bands to me are like sports. You know, they, 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 they keep people off the street. You know? <laughs> That's okay. You know, it gives people something to do. You know, But uh, no, nah, not me. No, I'll pass. I think it's also, you know, when I heard them, I mean, in the 90s, I w- it was pretty formative time for me to have heard these bands. And I was going through a lot of angst and a lot of darkness. So I think it's all that spoke to me. Um, and I, so I think that's probably one of the reasons why I love them. And I, I love that somebody was talking to me, you know, was saying, oh, yeah, this shit sucks. And oh, yeah, you feel like shit. And oh, yeah, it sucks at this point. I liked that because I felt like somebody, you know, got me. And sometimes, you know, we don't feel like anyone gets us, you know, especially when you're a teenager or you're a kid. But I felt like this music spoke to me. And, you know, I'm, I think I'm probably stuck in the 90s because the grunge is, grunge is probably one of my favorite genres of music. So I listen to it a lot. And I've come across so many people who do the same, just like you, I'm sure, with the 70s, where we listen to this stuff again and again and again. And it's just our go-to. That's a little bit about grunge. And that's our new feature, Cause to Coup, Genres in Curlew. So you can look forward to hearing more about genres in review as we kind of talk about these different genres that we love so much. I'm going to open up my mind a little bit more to, well, Stone Temple Pilots is kind of like, eh, I mean, I'll really pass on them, but I will take another chance at Pearl Jam, although I'm risking my sanity, I know, in doing so. But, um, yeah, Pearl Jam and uh, Alice, in, Alice Chains. in Chains. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough sell. I don't think <laughs> I have a hard time with it. But grunge in general, if there's anybody else out there, because uh, unbeknownst to 
most people, including Kiss fans, Kiss put out a grunge album in the in like '97. It was recorded around '93, uh, around that time, and it is really convincing grunge. It sounds like Soundgarden. It really does. It's so heavy, and uh, just uh, it could even pass for Alice in Chains, except for like you know, that actually has good vocals. But um, yeah, I know you see the Christina's face over here. So you know, I'm thinking I, it's not something you want to sound like all day every day. I think bands should be a little bit more, you know, uh, do a little bit more stuff and everything. But I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of getting my grunge on. I, I might, I might get me a, might get me a flannel shirt yet. Yeah, we can work on that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be sheer. It's okay. No, I wouldn't have a sheer one. Here. Yeah, I mean, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a girl. I mean, got yeah. the, you know. So anyway, that brings that to a close, and hopefully you enjoy that new feature, ladies and jelly spoons, as Eddie Izzard would say. And that leads us to song number seven, which is introduced by the venerable Professor P. Soup. Busily dropping his index cards <laughs> with childish drawings and uh, scribbling spidery notes on them. All right, song number seven by a band called Electric Mary. Uh, this is a this is I was immediately intrigued and enthused by this name. There's something about it that just has everything, and they are a just a classic hard rock band from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, that was not Australian. I can do accents. That was it, funny, it, that but was, I was like, was I don't Australian. know what that was, but I've heard you do Australian. Yeah, you can do and that it. wasn't it. Yeah. No, but it was adorable. And this one is, I almost said, apparently recorded in front of a live audience as if it's fake. Now, this one is obviously recorded in front of a live and very enthusiastic crowd. And the opening, it's just, this is just classic. These guys at least appreciate the 70s. It's bam, jam, 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 guitar, guitar, guitar. You know, I mean, it really has that, uh, you know, we're just going to tease you. We're going to vamp. We're going to do this big intro here, set the mood. And then it just jumps into this, you know, late 70s, early 80s metal, Guns N' Roses kind of sound. And it's just great. And the song is so... I don't want to say it's it's accessible. Yeah, the song is so accessible that I was singing along by the second chorus, and this is just one of those crowd pleasers. And if I were going to send a song to a radio show, I would assume this would be the one if I could ever come up with anything this great, because they totally won us over with this. And the song by Electric Mary is called Let Me Out.
by Let Me Out, a little live slam bang from Electric Mary. And you can find them on Facebook at Electric Mary. And uh, I'm sorry if I seem a little uh, little out of sorts. I'm, I'm still kind of reeling from finding out that Pearl Jam landed 37 places higher on the Billboard chart than Soundgarden. That's a, that's a, that's a real blow for me. But I'm a professional and I will rise above it. It's all time. Like Nigel Tufnell. Ten came out before any of that. That's why. Ah. Ten came out first. Ten set the stage for all the Seattle and sounds. scared everybody off. I get nope, it. Nope, yeah. they all came. They <laughs> flocked. They flocked down. Well, you know, if I were in the listening audience, I'd say, oh, that's grunge, thanks. I'll tune out. And I would have missed Soundgarden because of Pearl Jam leading the way. So, In the movie, singles, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder are in the, in the film. So yep. it's uh, interesting to see. Song number six is by Cryogenica, who's actually appearing on our show for the second time. They're from the UK. They're electro-goth rock. This particular song is called Intrusion. The Nine Inch Nails influence is clear in the synth sounds and programming. The sound alternates between sinister and triumphant. The evocative female vocals add an element of gloom that intends to drive out the intruder.
can find cryogenica on facebook at cryogenica uk and that's c-r-y-o-g-e-n-i-c-a uk all right feature number three a fascinating feature always but tinged with a little sadness or perhaps not the album is in utero by nirvana which was released in 1993 and interesting record was recorded in two weeks uh, some of the greatest albums of all time have been recorded in record time, I gotta say. This was the last album released by Nirvana, and the reason? Unfortunately, Kurt Cobain committed suicide at the age of 27 on April 5th, 1994 in, where else, Seattle. Uh, he wanted to call the album, I hate myself and I want to die. This is a phrase taken from his mid-1992 journals. He intended it as a joke because he felt everyone was taking the band too seriously. Yes, they had taken on that whole, you know, wow, Messiah, Sage uh, thing, and they're just a band, just like John Lennon used to say about the Beatles, we're just a band. But the final title was taken from a poem written by uh, Courtney Love. It received critical acclaim from Time Magazine, Rolling Stone, Entertainment Weekly, New Musical Express, uh, The Independent, Q Magazine, and it was nominated for Best Alternative Music Album at the 1994 Grammy Awards. And some of the notable songs from that in the singles uh, include Heart-Shaped Box, which was almost called Heart-Shaped Coffin. (laughs) Courtney Love said she overheard him working on the song's riff in the closet. She said she asked him if she could use the riff for one of her songs, to which he replied, Fuck you! And closed the closet door. Now, that's a great marriage story that's right there. That's a great couple. I love that. Uh, all apologies dedicated to his wife and daughter. And uh, Dave Grohl, drummer Dave Grohl, who now, uh, sadly, fronts the Foo Fighters. It's not uh, sad. It's pretty sad. It's not sad. Reca- <laughs> recalled that the song was... Uh, although I will give Dave Grohl credit for being cool enough to appear in the new Bill and Ted movie, so that kind of redeems him right there. Everyone thinks he's cool except you. Yeah, I guess. Well, even Bill and Ted do. Uh, yeah, even everybody loves Foo Fighters except you. I might have to give them another shot. You really know. should. Okay. Aren't they kind of like Nickelback? Oh, I did not just say that. <laughs> oh, well, let's stop the show right now because I quit because you just compared Foo Fighters to Nickelback. We have to take it outside here. We are going to have to go. Do you have a bike rack? We can yeah, be at the bike rack. Dave Grohl recorded the song was something that Kurt wrote on a four-track in our apartment in Olympia. I remember hearing it and thinking, God, this guy has such a beautiful sense of melody, I can't believe he's screaming all the time. 
And, you know, that's really what sets Nirvana apart in my mind is underneath the noise, underneath the screaming, there is a melody. You can strip these things down as they did in their wonderful uh, MTV Unplugged oh performance. Oh, my God. Still one of my favorite of all uh, time. You can take these songs down like uh, All Apologies, uh, take them down to the barest, you know, no electric, and realize that, as Dave Grohl said, uh, such a, a great, beautiful sense of melody that uh, I think we mentioned on an earlier show, if unless I'm making this up, that Tori Amos um, did an acoustic piano version of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it, you realize how beautiful a song it is underneath it all. Underneath it. And Screaming is fine. Screaming is fun. I like the fact that we got both versions from Nirvana with the live album, in which they also covered David Bowie's uh, The Man Who Sold the World beautifully. Well, I hate to bring up a scent. Do I? No, I don't. But we do a really weird cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I, what I really like about it is that it lends itself to so many interpretations and that you can play with the melody. It's such a powerful melody that it allows you to kind of take it wherever you want to take it. Um, so I really appreciate it. It was really, really fun. So... We like to do covers, but we like to fuck them up, and so we take this and we fucked it up. I mean, you can still tell that it's that song, but we did it our way. But the melody lends itself to really playing with it, and I love that. Yeah, and I remember going to see Ascent live once, and I had no idea what the set was going to be. And their version is so different, and so it is so unique but you can recognize the progression, and I thought, oh, damn, is this? <laughs> and that is, of course, a very clever way to keep the audience engaged, is to pepper, if you will, the uh, your set list with a couple of notable covers with a little bit of a twist, and that was that really got me. And uh, the album also includes Rape Me, which is uh, an anti-rape song, actually written from the point of view of the victim. It's like she's saying, rape me, go ahead, rape me, beat me, Cobain told Spin Magazine in 1993, but you'll never kill me. I'll survive this, and I'm going to fucking rape you one of these days, and you won't even know it. So it's a, basically, it's a survivor song. That's right. And, uh, of course, the name puts some people up, but you really have to think beyond that. You I mean, do. You have to stop all this PC crap and just think, what are they really trying to say here? In fact, a great many songs that are singled out, like Rock and Roll Suicide, for example, by David Bowie, a song that makes me cry to this day, one of the most life-affirming songs you'll ever hear. So you can't go by the title of a song, and that includes Rape Me. Uh, Penny Royal Tea is an herbal abortive, he says. I threw that in because I have so many friends who have tried to use that, and it never worked. The song is about a person who's beyond depressed. They're in their deathbed. Pretty much Cobain's own bout with serious stomach pain was well documented uh, uh, in his last year. And he admits, yeah, it did rub off on the song. The uh, album reached number one on the Billboard 200 and UK Albums charts and certified five times platinum selling 15 million copies. And what I love about this record is they had already had a big commercial success. Kurt Cobain is like, okay, we're not going to make something slick and polished. They recorded the record in almost no time. And it's so, it's noisy. It's really noisy. It's one of the noisiest records you'll ever hear. And yet it is chock full of exactly what Dave Grohl was saying. Great melodies. And uh, the lyrics are either deliberately murky or I'm just too much of a moron to understand them. But they're wry and self-deprecating and just, I mean, like... (laughs) Uh, very ape he sings if you ever need anything please don't hesitate to ask someone else first <laughs> a lot I'm, of snark I like the snark. snark yes I'm too busy acting like I'm not naive I've seen it all I was here first and uh, the, the album begins with serve the servants and he sings 
Teenage Angst has paid off well. <laughs> this is what you get after a big hit record. Teenage Angst has paid off well. Now I'm bored and old. You know, <laughs> of course he wasn't old, and I doubt he was bored based on the uh, the tenor of the music. But he's just having a little fun with it. And they're all like that. And I just enjoy his lyrical approach. Surprisingly singable. Many of the songs on this record are. So this was an excellent follow-up to Nevermind. And I never actually heard the the earlier records like Bleach. I didn't hear that. But Nirvana is a group that I have always appreciated and always will. I'm glad they had the success they did and that the music is still with us because of that era, this is, to me, the most... I know Christina doesn't quite agree, but this is the most enduring of the bands, although, heaven knows, I I love Soundgarden, too. So good stuff from uh, Nirvana, and uh, it's a pity that it was the swan song like the one we discussed last time. So when our master brains behind the operation, Christina, who runs the show with a uh, iron fist and a velvet glove, <laughs> came up with the idea for this feature, one of the first records that came to mind was one we haven't done yet, but these are these have been two good ones so far. We did Innuendo by Queen and Nirvana's In Utero, both of which were sadly cut short by the deaths of the lead vocalists and uh, two of the main writers of those groups. Uh, stay tuned for future episodes to see what other swan songs we're going to hear. And that takes us to song number six by a favorite of us at Butterflies and Hurricanes and Birds of a Feather, who were recently featured on the show. The Space Sharks this is the second time from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, psychedelic hard rock group uh, that we've gushed about. I've gushed about before. Uh, Lonnie does such a wonderful job with the, with the uh, songwriting and the guitar playing. And this particular tune is called Cities on Fire. Now it starts kind of mellow, and it would have been a perfectly pleasant tune, but then they take the tempo way up and get all psychedelic on us, as they are wont to do. And then they take it down to halftime, and then, okay, back again. This is not exactly a dance tune, but it'll keep your Poe going, and it's definitely not for those with underlying heart conditions. Cities on fire.
You can hear the Space Sharks, their self-titled first album, the follow-up Love Bomb, and the new EP, Space Songs, on Facebook at The Space Sharks. As we said on an earlier episode, we do keep songs that are submitted on file. They don't fit one show. We'll try to get them as another one. And this was submitted earlier by the Space Sharks, and it isn't exactly about being locked down, but it's about this time, this period of ours that we're in where not only is everything shut down and we're locked in and we want to get out, but some of the cities are on fire, too. So it's kind of part and parcel of the chaotic year that is 2020, and thank heavens it's almost over, and I hope none of this spills into 2021 because it sucked ass so far. All right, feature number four, Hawkward Lyrics. For this feature, we weigh in on nonsensical, strange, creepy, crazy, or bullshit song lyrics. And these particular lyrics by this particular band fall into nonsensical, strange, creepy, crazy, and so on. The song is the end. The band is the doors from the album, The Doors. So I'm just going to jump around and read some of these completely and totally awkward lyrics. Sort of psychotic. Might say Freudian. <laughs> I'm not really sure. A little Oedipal. Yes, a little Oedipal for sure. And, uh, you know, I feel like if we're thinking about it, we may be taking a glimpse into, you know, kind of a, a crazy mind, a, you know, a very creative mind, or maybe even tapping into the subconscious mind. So let's talk about how the song starts, which seems pretty promising and pretty typical. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end, no safety, no surprise, the end, I'll never look in your eyes again. So while sad and somewhat depressing, certainly, not super awkward yet. Yeah, it's pretty poignant and beautiful up to it this is, point. It is, right? Yeah. You're like, I get that. I'm totally with them. Like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I'm man. I'm sorry, man. That sucks, right? But you'll get through it. You got this. And then you go on and, and you it's... realize you've backed the wrong horse. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly, you do realize that that's what's happened. Can you picture what will be so limitless and free, desperately in need of some stranger's hand in a desperate land? So, okay, not bad. Then it starts to get a little crazy with these lines. And all the children are insane. All the children are insane. Okay. There's insane and there's insane. Who knows what they mean? Right. Okay. So I'm like, all right, getting a little weirder about the kids being insane. Okay. We're still holding out hope, though. We're still still like, sorry, dude. Kids seem kind kind of fucked up to you. Okay. Fair enough. Then we go on to ride the King's Highway, baby. Weird scenes inside the gold mine. Ride the highway west. Ride the snake to the lake. The ancient lake. The snake is long. Seven miles. Ride the snake. He's old and his skin is cold. The west is the best. Now it's getting weird. I'm still okay with it. Ride the snake's getting weird. The delivery. <laughs> if you don't if you don't know this song, the delivery is everything. You got to hear this creep show. Yeah. There's no way I can impact the audience the way he does, for sure. So it does sound like, yeah, it's not that bad. But if we're just looking at it lyrical content-wise, but yeah, the song is Creep Factor 30 on a scale from 1 to 10. The blue bus is calling us. Driver, where are you taking us? The killer awoke before dawn. He put his boots on. He took a face from the ancient gallery, and he walked on down the hall. He went to the room where his sister lived, and then he paid a visit to his brother. And then he walked on down the hall. He came to a door, and he looked inside. Father, yes, son, I want to kill you. Mother, I want to... We'll talk about that in a moment. And then he says, come on, baby, take a chance with us and meet me at the back of the blue bus. 
fuck no. Mm. Yeah, first of all, they introduced him as the killer at the start. Before, he visited his brother and his sister, so, you know, he probably didn't go in and kiss him on the forehead. He did not. He's obviously insane. I mean, he puts his boots on. If you're going to do something like that, you, you probably, if you want to go undetected, you probably don't want to put your boots on. You don't. But, you know, we're not dealing with a rational person. That's here. correct. No, that's exactly true. So, uh, then the song ends with, this is the end, my beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend. The end, it hurts to set you free, but you'll never follow me. The end of laughter and soft lies. The end of the nights we tried to die. This is the end. So I didn't read all the lyrics. I read quite a few, but let's talk about one lyric in particular. So, Father, yes, son, I want to kill you. Mother, I want to. Well, so the jury's still out on this. They don't know exactly what he says, but some witnesses, some people are speculating that he says... Mother, I want to fuck you, which is super messed up in every way. Yeah. Now we're talking about incest. We've just taken it to a whole new level. This and is Greek tragedy yeah, level. This is Oedipus. This Rex, is you know? for sure. And and as disturbing as it comes. So this song begins and ends disturbing. The middle is disturbing. The entire delivery is chilling in every way. But one of the most amazing songs as well. There's no storyteller quite like Jim Morrison. His voice, his delivery, obviously the band... Ray Manzarek. I don't even need to say it. So just an incredible song. Very well placed in the movie Apocalypse Now, which ah. I've seen a couple of times, which is a brutal movie. But boy, does it ever fit that movie. So while Hawkward as fuck, still highly recommend this song. Don't listen to it when you're on a long drive by yourself. Don't listen to it when you're sad. Only listen to it on a bright, sunny day in the middle of the day when birds are chirping and dogs are barking. Yeah, and also don't listen to it in a vacuum. Listen to the entirety of The Doors' 1967 debut. Mm. Now, it does end the album on a very, very strange note, but at least you've heard the other songs first. And you're right, it's used so brilliantly and chillingly oh. in Apocalypse Now. On the record, Morrison doesn't say fuck you, although he allegedly did say fuck you in concerts. Mm. Well, Jim Morrison is, I'm not saying he's like a hero or anything like that, but at, musically he, he is to me. I mm -hmm, mean, The Doors are one sure. of my absolute favorite bands of all time. Whether his lyrics make any sense or not, as they sometimes do, um, still still brilliant. And vocalist, my goodness, he could oh. sing raw rock like nobody, God. but he, could, he, said, he was, as I've said before, the Frank Sinatra of rock and roll. He could croon. He lives on Love Street, and they knew how to make uh. a pop song. And in fact, this debut album has one of the most imperishable rock radio and pop radio songs of all time, Light My Fire, uh. which ends uh, side one. And I mean, it's just fantastic stuff. And I gotta say, it takes real balls to put an 11 and a half minute song as creepy as the end on your debut album. I mean, that's real conviction. It's like, okay, we're going to throw all this stuff in and we're going to end with this. But look at Jim Morrison's history. His performance history got kicked off. Tons of shows was banned from playing because he just, it take no prisoners kind of thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to act the way that I want to act. Yes, some of it was drug induced, but I think a lot of it was just spitting in the face of authority and defiance. Yeah, and you know, uh, for all of my uh, reverence for his uh, for his talent, for his vocals and everything, and and you got this Hollywood the Hollywood Bowl concert. 
is just unbelievable. Because he had a reputation for showing up wasted to shows and screwing things up and being an asshole and exposing himself on stage and just doing wrong stuff that you, know, you really don't want to celebrate. But when they were on and he was really performing like the professional that he should have been, the Hollywood Bowl concert is absolutely spectacular. I mean, the Doors are just one of my favorite bands ever, no question about it. I've seen two different Doors tribute bands twice, so I just absolutely adore I know she's making faces up But here. no, but see, he's, he's dead. He's dead. They're so all that's dead. okay. Yeah. I, and I just think the Doors are brilliant. And this song is kind of creepy. And uh, Kind of. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's super creepy. <laughs> uh, this one could have used some editing, perhaps. And, and most, like, anthologies, they'll just leave the shit off there. And bands don't play this live because I mean it's like when the music's over only it's even longer and, and more bizarre I did a Doors parody that incorporates elements of this song and Roadhouse Blues and Waiting for the Sun and I think Hill Rand is like the only person on earth who's ever heard the thing but um, <laughs> at least he appreciates it it's horribly recorded but it does take a, have a little bit of fun uh, with the Doors uh, you need to go from the end and then go back to listen to the happy lists <laughs> because <laughs> it, but the Doors are just a brilliant band and they're they're a very dark band, though. Uh, yeah, they're very dark, but they could uh, they could be they could have great pop stuff like "Touch Me" and uh, you know the romantic croony things and everything. And uh, they're they're one of my all time favorites. They are just iconic in my mind. Song number four. Autumn's Descent. So this is the second time Autumn's Descent is appearing on our show, and I believe they actually appeared on our last show. Now, the only other person to do this was Ulysses, and Ulysses has been on our show many times. But, you know, the thing is, is if it fits the theme and you submit, you may show up on a couple of shows or you may not. So in this case, Autumn's Descent has a song called Sweet Remorse. So this particular band is uh, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. They are modern, electro-rock, metal, and industrial. So when I heard this song, I immediately thought of New Order's True Faith. This song is upbeat, goth metal with a rousing layered chorus, an ear-catching assortment of electronic embellishments a la Nine Inch Nails. This is the second time I'm bringing up Nine Inch Nails as being uh, one of their influences. The male vocals speak in apologies, but with a hint of blamelessness. He instills the fear in the protagonist with each phrase, tone, and assertion. This is Sweet Remorse.
You can find Autumn's Descent on Facebook at Autumn's Descent, and that is D-E-S-C-E-N-T. All right, that takes us to Feature 5, History Strikes Back. This feature, we travel back in time to a particular year to review bands, music, charts, and pop culture for a randomly selected year. And the random number generator spit out a year this time, which filled my little heart with joy, because you know me in the 70s and all that stuff. Well, this one takes us right to the cusp, 1970 itself. First, let's start with the top films of that year. You know what? I actually don't remember what was going on in 1970. No, no, I'll bet you don't. (laughs) Well, that's why why you listen to the show. I'm sorry, I could not help myself. All right, and in the cinemas, back see back in 1970, kids, you know, those of you who probably can't remember, we used to be able, actually be able to go to the movies. Well, okay, <gasps> in this uh, 1970s top films, uh, this one's uh, kind of sad. I don't mean the movie, I mean the fact that it's number one on the list. Love Story, which gave us the, yes, yes, Ryan O'Neill, Ali McGraw, which gave us the stupidest line in motion picture history. Love means never having to say you're sorry. I beg your fucking pardon? You don't have to say you're sorry if someone loves you or if you love them? I disagree with that, I have to say. I say sorry all the damn time. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You should, too. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> I, I thought I almost got that past her. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's six o'clock in the morning. I, can't, I still can't get anything past this woman. 
right. Um, yes, it's 6 o'clock in the morning again because of the heat wave. Um, okay. Love story. Uh, top picture of the year, sadly. Uh, number two. Well, things are looking up. Airport. Upon uh, was a series of airport movies upon which, of course, were based the uh, famous satires and spoofs, the airplane <laughs> series, which I love so much. I love it, too. Number three, MASH. Yes, MASH, uh, the, uh, which spawned the television series. And this is one of those instances. I think sometimes a movie will come out and they'll adapt it for television and the cast will be better on the TV show. And I mm. think this is one of them. I do think well, the cast... Alan Alda. Alan Alda, come He's on. He's brilliant. I mean, Alan Alda versus Elliot Gould. Uh, I mean, no. Donald, Donald Sutherland, no way. No I mean, way. I'm sorry. Uh, MASH... And, and even though the legendary Robert Duvall is in it, he's too serious a character, and uh, Larry Linville is much better on the TV show. So mm. anyway, MASH is better on television than the movies, in my in my view. And I don't know why I remember that theme. Patton, yes, Patton, uh, Oscar-winning performance by George C. Scott. And number five film of that year was about a bunch of uh, dirty hippies contributing nothing to society except they had good taste in music called Woodstock yes which took place the previous year and I want to go on record as saying that I disagree that uh, they didn't contribute anything to society but uh, all right, please continue yeah okay and uh, (laughs) Little Big Man I believe that was uh, Dustin Hoffman I don't know that one though strangely enough and a movie about uh, Pearl Harbor Tora 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 yeah a lot of war movies that year yes uh, Ryan's daughter. Somehow I missed that one. And mm-hmm. oh, uh, my mother was a theater manager, so I went to the movies like all the time for many, many years throughout my life. So the ones I wanted to see, I saw a dozen times. The ones I wanted to snub, like Love Story, that was a one timer for me. You know, uh, but the ones I wanted to see, I saw as many times as I wanted to. Uh, Ryan's daughter somehow missed it. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't into romance back then. Who knows? I was nine. Uh, Catch-22, and number 10, I might not have been into romance, but I was into comedy, and I was into Barbara Streisand. Number 10, The Owl and the Pussycat, a rom-com, I guess I would call it, uh, about a bookish writer played by George Siegel, who's sort of a Woody Allen type. Can I just say how much I love George Siegel? Yeah, George Siegel's wonderful. He's brilliant. I love, love, love him. There's a movie he's in. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. Oh, uh, who's that? With Goldie Hawn? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely charming. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He really is. He is. is. And I I remember I always had the biggest crush on him. I always thought he was so handsome. Well, I had the biggest crush on Barbara at this time. Well, sure. Uh, Uh, He's the writer, and she's the uh, model, porn star, uh, and prostitute. Like you do. lives in his building, like you do, sure. and uh, it's just a fun film. Uh, and some things never change, and some things never go away. You know what was the movie that came out that year? Beneath the Planet of the Apes. The freaking apes are still with us uh, in the reboot. And uh, a personal favorite of mine that I watched like 15 times and is in my collection, House of Dark Shadows, based on the iconic series. Kelly's Heroes. Anybody remember that one? Clint Eastwood, Kelly Savalas. Oh, Donald Sutherland. It's brilliant. Uh, it's uh, not a war movie per se. It's about a bunch of soldiers who are going to uh, uh, invade this German bank and steal a bunch of gold. Uh, but it's a very strange, very uh, good picture. This blew my mind. I'm always talking about the longevity of people back in the day until you're ready to pull your hair out. We're going to see in the music charts some people that are still around. And this is 50 years ago, folks. This is going to trip you out. I couldn't believe this was on here. Picture came out in 1970 called Hercules in New York, starring, wait for it, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a thing tw- 50 years ago? Seriously? I didn't. I had no idea. He must I have mean, been a puppy. I know. I know he's been around for a long, long time, but good heavens. Uh, our former governor here in California and uh, movie legend was making films in 1970. He must have just come over here and could barely speak English. She learned so well, despite the accent. Uh, but yeah, so that was a big surprise for me to see that on there. The Beatles, Let It Be, based on the legendary rooftop concert, which is one of the great, great performances, I think, and I'm not just a fanboy. I think it's actually that good. All right, what about the music? Well, some interesting things happening. In December, The Doors played their final concert with Jim Morrison. We were just talking about these gentlemen. Uh, and they thought, you know what, let's not perform live with this guy anymore because of his unpredictable persona. And, you know, that's a shame, but, of course, he didn't live an awful lot longer after that anyway. No. Uh, the Beatles officially split in 1970. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And Simon and Garfunkel also split, although they would go back together many times over the years. So many great albums came out in 1970. You pick up the biggest stick you can find and shake it around. You're never going to get them all. Uh, for example, David Bowie put out The Man Who Sold the World. We referenced oh that earlier. Gosh. One that was a big deal in my household with my five older siblings. Grand Funk Railroad's live album. Three Dog Night Naturally, another one. I still have mm-hmm. that. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's oh. first album came Come out. Cat Stevens, T for the Tillerman. Come oh, on wow. now. It was that kind of year. Damn. George Harrison's incredible debut all Things Must Pass, as oh a solo gosh. artist. On the rock front, we had the Mothers of Invention, Weasels Rip My Flesh. Well, I hate them anyway. Okay, James Gang, but at James Gang Rides Again. Humble Pie, yes, mm. Peter Frampton's Humble Pie, Steve Marriott, oh, classic stuff. Traffic, John Barleycorn Must Die. Paul McCartney put out his debut solo album also, and The Doors released Morrison Hotel. Classic album from the uh, Troubled Quartet that was no longer going to perform live. A legendary band for Birmingham, Million Called Black Sabbath. And for those of you who don't speak Ozzy, that's a legendary band from Birmingham, England called Black Sabbath. And we talked about the staying power. Well, this is a group that went on its farewell tour last freaking year, 49 years later, with three of the original members, which is more than you usually get these days, because most of them are dead or <laughs> they're not talking to them or whatever. So that was a big thing in 1970. But what else? Huge in my world, the band that sadly most of you never heard of, Mountain, released their fantastic debut, Climbing, which is, this is back, Sly and the Family Stone. This is the stuff that I was listening to back in those days that was so huge. Grand Funk Railroad. The Guess Who performed at the White House for for President Nixon and his guest, the Prince of Wales. And at at Pat Nixon's request, they do not play their breakthrough hit, American Woman, due to the song's supposedly anti-American lyric. The Long and Winding Road became the Beatles' last U.S. number one. The Who, Live at Leeds, one of the greatest, most ball-stompingest live albums of all time, was released then, and it's been re-released 15 times since then, each time picking up two or three additional tracks. So now it's eight times the length of its original, but it was a classic then, and it's a classic now. All right, and about the singles, the radio stuff. Your only way to hear music back then, unless it was on television. The youthful Christina, who's not quite as young as she appears, definitely wasn't around back then, though. So what was it? And let's see if she knows any of these songs. Well, one of them we were singing earlier, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, only the Diana Ross version. And another one was ABC, easy as one, two, three. And there's an adore me. ABC, one, two, three, baby, you and me. <laughs> All right, there we go. We got one for you. Well, let it be. We're not going to go cheap. You know, of course, you know that one. Oh, uh, um, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. 
And here's a timeless classic, which I friggin' hate. Uh, just as I never get tired of hearing Light My Fire for all these years on the radio, I never, ever, ever want to hear Lola again. Lola, 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 Lola. I love the kinks. I love the kinks to death. I can't stand that song because it's so played out. And that, Lola and Layla. Basically, any song of that. I, I'm sick of L names. L names, yeah. yeah. Two syllable L names. Fuck yeah, that. You yeah. gotta go. Lonely Days. Oh, you don't know that. The Bee Gees, Lonely Days. A uh, fantastic classic song. And <laughs> The disappointment. Yes, it's The pa- disappointment it's, is palpable. You can see it, but they can sense it. Yes, they yeah. can se- certainly sense it. All right. How about you're into hippy dippy stuff? How about Joni Mitchell, Big Yellow Taxi? They pay you paradise and put, put up, up a parking lot. All right. Classic, which was written by who wrote Mama Told Me Not to Come? I don't know. No. Mama Told Me Not to Come. Three Dog Night? No? Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh, okay. So disappointed. All right. <laughs> All right. How about Simon and Garfunkel, the boxer? Very, very stirring lyric there. It's yes. a great song, though. It All is right. a great song. It's a great song. Santana. Got a black magic, magic woman. Got a black magic woman. All right. Well, we're getting somewhere with you. Okay. Let's see what we got. <laughs> oh, the shit giving. Ah. Uh, do you know this one? This is interesting. Uh, written by Paul McCartney. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. Yep. Yep. Paul McCartney, uh, written, performed by Bad Finger. Oh, Are yeah. you not impressed? I mean, where's I, I'm the... super impressed. Okay, thank you. 50 years, and you know most there of There was these. so much disappointment, I just wanted to try to redeem myself. Mountain, Mississippi Queen. There's my boy, Leslie West. That's my group, man. I love Mountain. That is a band we were listening to earlier, for reasons we won't get into. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody really know what time it is? You don't know that one? Wow, okay. A beautiful number by Ray Stevens called Everything is Beautiful. Oh, wow, okay. We're striking out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, history shrinks. History shrinks, yeah. yeah. History is striking out. You know? <laughs> but then it, 50 years ago, to be fair, to be fair. To be um, fair. And what is it with Joe Cocker covering the Beatles? We talked about I'll Do It Better Than Emu before, where mm-hmm. he did uh, with a little help from my friends. Well, this time he did... Came in through the bathroom window. And this is strange. Two artists released the same song in the same year. He ain't heavy. Boom, boom. He's, He's my, my brother. brother. Recently, that was, uh, that was, in fact, that was covered uh, last year by uh, Cherie Curry and Brie Darling. And this year was, the, of course, the original Hollies and Neil Diamond. And three people covered the classic B.J. Thomas song, which appeared in the film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Very good, Christina. (laughs) The Queen of Soul, Reefa. The only boy who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who would ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Whatever goes next to you, you're ahead of me on this one. You're the, you're the queen of soul here. You got, now, uh, that wasn't the original, though. It was duh, I want to see Dusty Springfield. I don't know who uh, it was. No, I think it was, it was Dusty, Dusty Springfield. Springfield. Yeah, but this is Rita's version. and um, The Dusty Springfield? Oh, yeah. Iconic, classic. Stevie Wonder. Here I am, baby. Oh, oh signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Yeah, wow. Well, I should quit while I'm ahead. You're doing great here. I but love anyway, Stevie Wonder. There, this was the great, great music that was on the radio in 1970. Well, history strikes back, and it... Hits a home run, too. I must Absolutely. Say. 
Song number three is by a band called Half Cut Canine, and the song is Breathe. They are from London, England, and the genre is alt-rock, electropop, dark rock. Breathe has distorted synth sounds, deep, defiant, and melodic male lead and backing vocals pair perfectly with the Nine Inch Nails-style electronic groove that is purposely overdriven. Meticulous production and interesting crescendos that keep you on edge. The song peaks at the end with desperate pleas for air. He just described how a world in some state of lockdown feels. This is Breathe.
And you can find Half Cut Canine on Facebook at Half Cut Canine. Feature number six is yet another recurring feature. Hell yes or oh hell no, but this time we are talking about the results. For this feature, we consider bands and determine if we are in or out. We also ask you to weigh in. We want to know what you think. And this week it was Nine Inch Nails. Very interesting outcomes. So 86% said hell yes. 0% said hell no. And 14% were meh or neutral. So very interesting. I expected more of a clear-cut fuck no or hell yeah, I mean, I didn't expect that, you know, I won't turn it off if it comes on, but I don't seek it out. So it was interesting. I have a very strong response to Nine Inch Nails. So, and also, three of our artists also are influenced this week. Three of them are influenced by Nine Inch Nails. So that's quite a record. So, you know, it has a a broad appeal and a broad reach. And I've been a fan since the 90s. That's when I really discovered Nine Inch Nails. And I've loved every iteration and every album since then. I love Trent Reznor's vocals. I love the overall sound, the feel. I like that it's dark, but I like that you can dance to it. So I am a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Uh, So I'm a little surprised that we had 86% hell yes. I thought there would be more. But then I also thought there would be a whole bunch of hell no's. So what do you say, David? How do you feel about Trent and Nin? Well, I'm with um, the smaller percentage of the respondents, and I definitely, certainly not hell no on them. I uh, I actually inherited my dead friend's record collection. I did inherit uh, Pretty Hate Machine, and I listened to it, and there are some tunes that I really like on there, if you want to call them tunes, um, like uh, Closer, and it's all too similar, Kissing Cousin there, Terrible Lie. Yeah, they sound a lot like each other, but that's really the problem to me that plagues Nine Inch Nails is that it's all dark and angry and disillusioned and all that. Say, I mean, I like the production is, is first rate, and there's no question about Trent Reznor's songwriting ability. And I was going to say, have we not come a long way in popular music and rock music from I want to hold your hand to I want to fuck you like an animal? You know, Unfortunately, the first time I heard it, I also saw it. But the problem with him is, well, Manson, I, I definitely like Manson better than Nine Inch Nails. Based on the one album, yeah. he can certainly write and produce like a son of a bitch. For sure. I mean, and by way of validation, just as Johnny Cash covered Soundgarden's Rusty Cage, he also covered, not closer, thank heavens, he also covered Nine Inch Nails' Hurt. It really brings out the beauty of the song and the, and the, the painful poignancy of the song. And uh, so fatalistic and, and, and just anguished. I love that. Yeah, I mean, and the guy can write songs and produce. Oh, and I like the fact that, is, at least in this one, I'm very synthesizer-driven but does not skimp on the rock guitars. It, it hits hard, and he can sing and scream, which is a good thing. He doesn't just scream. Nope. And I do, like I said, Head Like a Hole uh, is one of my favorites, but he didn't win me over with the one album, but at the same time, if somebody said, uh, the DJ said, and up next, Nine Inch Nails, I would certainly not turn it off. I would listen. I think that's where a lot of the respondents were. It's like, I won't turn it off. I don't seek it out, but it's definitely not Hell No. I certainly don't dismiss them. But Hell Yeah, I wouldn't exactly say I was super enthused either. So, But I'm hoping to turn... David's neutrality into hell yes. That could happen. I probably ought to give Pretty Hate Machine another listen because I only listened to it once and I thought, yeah, I'm good for a few decades. <laughs> <laughs> 
Canción número dos. Okay, sí. song two. Sí. By a favorite of us at, uh, well, everywhere in California and all over the world. Uh, the lady with the guitar book published by Mel Bay, uh, Guitar for Girls. Fantastic songwriter, Ali Handel. Uh, brand new song from her, too. Mm -hmm. I have four of her albums, actually. She's one of my favorites. I've seen her in concert in Los Angeles, and she's just uh, worth her weight in gold. This new song starts off with sort of a resonator, Delta Blues kind of a sound, you know, early on. And then later, it breaks into uh, howling guitars uh, drenched in effects. It apparently deals with the aftermath of a fire and somebody grieving uh, away loved ones and trying to drink away their sorrows and it isn't working and refusing to be placated with platitudes like the title, Everything Happens for a Reason.
And you can find her on Facebook at Allie Handel. And one of us shall be grabbing the other by the hair and dragging them out to see Allie Handel as soon as the opportunity presents itself. So the moment you've been waiting for, the moment I live for, song number one. This week, the band is Wolves in Argyle. The song is Into the Outs. They're from Oakland, California. They are hard and heavy alt-rock. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this band. So singer, songwriter, and executive producer, Dave Holmes. And then we have Steve Moriarty. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. I'm sorry. Holmes and Moriarty. You're kidding. I'm not. (laughs) I'm going to guess these are stage names. Yes, Just going out on a limb there. Indeed. Drums, Hans Hunt on bass and backup vocals, and Josh Phillips on lead guitar. Wait, where's Watson? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm looking. Yeah. I've been looking. Yeah. The four-piece has garnered favorable comparisons to Therapy, Queens of the Stone Age, The Damned, and the classic 1990s sub-pop era sound. Worded together, Wolves in Argyle slyly conjures the evergreen wolf in sheep's clothing sentiment, perfectly encapsulating the themes of betrayal and deceit lurking within their music. David Holmes has cited writing and recording as being the door that led him out of a very difficult time and led him to the path of healing. This song boasts angry, obstinate, and scolding male vocals, rhythmic, classic guitars. It feels gothic, dark, film noir, and anthemic all at once, and that's no easy feat. The recurring guitar riff is a warning that he has nothing left to say. This is Into the Outs.
Okay, and you can find Wolves in Argyle on Facebook at Wolves in Argyle. All right, and that brings us to the statement of the next bow theme, which is, and aren't we just getting the ornithological education here? (laughs) Did you know a curlew was a bird? Well, neither did I. (laughs) Now here's another one for you. Noddy, as in N-O-D-D-Y. Apparently that's a bird. This is one of your... uh, uh, obscure birds, and I'm sure they're very happy for the promotion uh, and for the uh, raising awareness of their very existence, because I'm sure there are I'm sure there are many professors who know nothing of them. Okay, so thank you for that. Naughty, and you go, well, what does that mean? Okay, that's a play on naughty. Get it? Naughty. You're being very naughty. Naughty. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. uh, any songs about breaking the rules, running amok, unruliness, mischievousness, bad behavior, wickedness, anything that isn't good <laughs> is fine with with us, as far as at least as far as the songs submitted to the show for the next both. So that brings us to parting is such sweet sorrow, and it is this part of the show is both wonderful and sad because we say goodbye. But before we go, we give you a little homework for our next hell yes or oh hell no, and this time it is going to be Steely Dan. Are you in? Are you out? Are you neutral? Where do you stand? On Steely Dan. Hey, that rhymed. Yeah. And I will say the sorrow, albeit very real, and, and yes. you know, is slightly mitigated by the fact that it's 7.30 in the morning. So there is that to consider. But I yes. mean, I mean there I, I, is I'm that. not feeling it. Are you feeling it? I'm not feeling it. Are you feeling the sorrow? No, the the, the fact that it's 7.30 in the oh, morning. Oh, no, I'm not feeling that. Fresh as a daisy. No, I feel great. I feel like, you know, I can do another show. I don't need to, but yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Steely Dan, Steely Dan, where are you? We're going to ask you. We're going to hope that you will be another willing participant as you've been week after week after week. What is this, episode 16? That we're... I believe it's 16, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then we just record, what, episode four of Winging It. Right. So, I mean, I'm just saying, stay with us. Racking we love having you. That's right. And thank you for your participation. Not only is it an assignment and an expectation, but it is certainly appreciated. Right on, baby. I guess it's time to wrap this puppy up in a neat little blanket. Uh, Next Birds of a Feather air date is September 25th. And the next winging it air date is September 18th. So why she lists that first, I have no idea. Okay, there are all kinds of other uh, Fusion Music Radio shows, including the new Octane's Groove Box and Surge Master Sessions, Butterflies and Hurricanes, Butterflies and Hurricanes, Indie Insurrection, In Details, The Tilly Riddle Show, The Hill Rent Radio Show, Shock and Awe, Soup Kitchen, Audrey's Mixtape Show, Prudence's Mixtape Show, Your Mama's Mixtape Show. Okay, there isn't one of those. Ian Moss, of course, with Flowing Backwards, but there's another one that I think might be coming along as mm. well. Where can you Tune in and get in on all the fun. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, uh, our website, of course, uh, FusionMusicRadio.net, Podchaser, Castbox, GeoSavant. You must that that's got to be a typo, right? It's not. GeoSavant is there? Okay. Well, basically, let your fingers fly over the keys as you stare at the ceiling, and whatever comes up is probably going to be a platform that we're on. So, True. Uh, I mean, a hundred monkeys at a hundred keyboards for a hundred years are going to come up with a platform that we're on. So probably, yeah. Just like the works of Shakespeare, in theory. So, mm-hmm. whatever it is, tune in to uh, all of those. Well, actually, one is enough. And here, all the Fusion Music Radio shows. I only meant the platforms is one enough. You have to listen to all the shows, though. Uh, the uh, the tapestry, the cornucopia that is Fusion oh, Music my Radio. Goodness, tapestry cornucopia. The you like quilt. The crazy quilt. That's right. Crazy yes, yeah, you were. You had to. You had to practically <laughs> feed me that one on a spoon. I say crazy quilt. And she goes, "Who says this shit? Who well, says this shit?" Uh, I don't know. I didn't make it up. So somebody must have said it, but probably not in the last seventy-five years. No one said it. But 
still. Yeah, it's I, it's classic. I'm an old, so I'm not as old as all that, but uh, I've been around a while. Okay. So, I guess that only leaves for you to say... Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.